0: Please join me for a word of prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Even in the valley, even in the valley, God is good. Huh, Joan? Even in the valley, God is good. Reminded that every time you sing, your harmonies are so beautiful. I just love it. It speaks to the soul, right? It speaks beyond my intellect. I get the intellectual pieces, but it speaks to where you're at, right? It speaks to where you're at right now. We live in a world that says, go, go, baby, go, 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 as fast as you can go with your hair on fire. Go, go, go. You've got to get it done. And, And when you sing like that, when we sing a mighty fortress like that, right, not so fast. Slow down just a little bit, not so fast. Thank you for being here this morning. Make all the difference in the world. It's the difference between a boring sermon and a fantastic worship services, the choir and the people in the pews. But we do live in a do-it-now time. Time. And there's some things you have to do with speed and urgency. If something were to go crazy right now, you would, you would move with all due haste. You would, you would move quickly. You would say, I got to get this done, and if I don't, something bad's going to happen. You just have to do those, those things, and there's chores at home that if you don't do every day with a sense of urgency, it just piles up. And... And no one wants to see that happen, right? You just, so, so you do what you gotta do. You load the dish, you unload the dish, you do the laundry, you pull the laundry, you put it away, you do, and you do it with a sense of urgency instead of saying, you know what? The laundry fairy will come and take care of that and it'll all be fine. And I just if I pray hard enough and love Jesus enough, all my chores will be done. We don't do that. We're up and going, right? You, you gotta do what you gotta do to keep things together at home. And, and there's pieces of your job and your work that you have to do with urgency as well and if you don't things don't happen if you don't answer your email with a sense of urgency if you don't return your phone calls if you're a professor and you don't grade your papers on time if you you know you, you got to do it with haste and but but do it well each one of us has pieces like that in our lives and then for me there's a tension in life that i gotta have and, and, and if it's not, if, if there's not a tension, then life kind of unravels. And so I've got to have something that, that, that drives me to do the urgent things. That, that do the things that maybe aren't always the most important on the list, but you have to do them because if you don't, everything else kind of unravels and goes, goes away. But along with this little list, there's also things that are not so fast. And you can think of those yourself as as, as you think and kind of grind through it in your own mind's eye. There's stuff that you have to do just kind of in a a very ordered fashion, step one, two, three, four, five, and take your time doing it, or it just doesn't work. How about that? You toss your 16-year-old the keys and say, here you go. Knock yourself out. We went driving for 15 minutes yesterday. You can drive on the 22 freeway all the way to LA. Good luck. I love you. We'll see you. Call me when you get there. No. Remember the first time you took your child out driving? Do you remember? Or the first time you went out driving? I learned to drive on a 1970-whatever Ford Pinto stick shift. I don't know how many horses it had, but it sure didn't sound like very many. And I learned to drive over the course of about nine or ten months, and, 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 and my father was always so loud with that. More clutch, more clutch, more gas! Here go. Now, if I preach this in the auditorium, they'd go, what's a clutch? How, how does that work, right? You know how that is. You teach a young person to drive slowly and steadily, and all of a sudden, they master it. And then there comes that day where you look, and you throw them the keys, and they say, you got this, you drive, I'm going to text on my phone or whatnot. You, uh, you drive. I trust you. I'll put my life and the life of my family in your hands. You, you got this, but it takes time to get there. You're raising a child, a child isn't a done person six months out, 18 years out, 20 years out. So you take time and you invest. You give the best part of yourself to that person, you're, you're, you're moving to raise that child, to move them from pathway to pathway and peace of life to peace of life, with more responsibility and, and, and deeper and greater decisions that are to be made. And, and then all of a sudden you look and they're an adult and you go, you know what? That's super cool. But the effort that you put in isn't a one day, go, 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 get her, get her done thing. It's persistence over the course of time as it is in building up a career are living a disciplined life. As a 21-year-old, your appetites and your temptations are different than that of a 55 or a 65-year-old. But living a disciplined life and following Jesus for a lifetime makes an enormous difference in your life. I like to say your boat sits deeper in the water. It just kind of works that way. Do it now. Do it now. Do it now. Way, 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 way. way. Not so fast. Not so quick, let's think this through a little bit. In our text today, Jesus is, has been in the desert 40 days and 40 nights, kind of uh, uh, tied into the, the people of Israel. They're 40 years in the wilderness, and, and Satan comes down, and, and you gotta know that Jesus was both God and man at the same time, linked in a way that theologians have tried to talk for years, but at the end of the day, he's God and man, and that just kind of works is hungry and the devil says do it now do it now take care of this now you're hungry now drive through the bread story gonna happen jesus but you are or better stated if you are the son of god then tell this stone to become bread you can do it we know you're the guy if you are who you say you are do it now get it done now do it Immediately, take care of your gratification right now, and you will be so much happier and so much better off if indeed you are who you say you are. And Jesus answered, man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. In Luke's gospel here, chapter 4, verse 4, he says, man does not live by bread alone. Bread's not the first thing. We live in Orange County. We might not say bread is the first thing, but we know a restaurant that overlooks the water where the bread is to die for. And instead of bringing you kind of some sticky, gross margarine like they might do in a Midwestern place, they bring you this marvelous butter that some guy made in the back of the restaurant, and they say, would you like some more butter? And you say, "Uh uh-huh, or they say, I've got this balsamic vinegar and this uh, uh, olive oil, thank you. (laughs) Man does not live by bread alone. you got to have bread, but bread in its place. you got to have stuff, but stuff in its place. House, car, clothing, money, bread, food, all that stuff. you got to have it. It's a part of life. you got to have it. But it's not first. It's not primary. It's not the first thing. Jesus goes right back to the Word of God. He who would acclaim himself as the bread of life, he says, man does not live by bread alone. And in another reading of this text, he says, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. How beautiful is that? That bread is not the first thing. And the, the crazy life of, of, of throwing together so you can have more stuff ultimately becomes a meaningless thing. Because first thing is not stuff. The first thing is the Lord Jesus. For those of us like me whose appetites are those by which we find temptation. This is a tough one. We were laughing between services at said the donuts talk. Don't you like that maple old fashioned Tim? Remember how many donuts you could eat a year ago? How many Krispy creams do you think you could put away? Man does not live on bread alone. Primarily, first, foremost and best, the Lord. For Jesus, it was the plan that was laid before him, not to set aside the the track and the course that his father had laid out for him, but to move deliberately through each event in obedience and subverting this temptation. So the devil comes back. He says, hey, I got something else for you. How about this? So the devil led Jesus up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. It's a question of what's first in your life. And if you want to do an evaluation of what's first in your life, look at where you spend your two biggest pieces of capital. Where do you spend your time and where do you spend your money? Because any sort of understanding of that will show you exactly what's most important to you and what it is that you worship. Right now, I would like to think that we... we, I I, I think there's a... It's just a hard... What's first and best in your life? When all of the stuff is stripped away, when the bread is put in its place, what's there? What inspires you? What motivates you? What leads you? What guides you? What allows your values to lead you into behaviors that are God-pleasing? Here in this temptation, Jesus is is asked to just kind of let it all go. And do you notice the subtle lies in here? because that's where the evil one leads us to the lies. It'll be better, it'll be good, it'll all be fine. Just, you know, succumb, give up. It's all good, just chill. Those words of the devil in 4 verse 5, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to, is a lie. That's no more the devil's authority to give Especially when the clear word of Jesus in Matthew 28 is all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, Jesus said. Where are those little places that you hear that? Like Eve heard in her, did God really say? Will it really be better? Will it really be okay? If you worship this instead of this, will it be all right? Will it be fulfilling? Will it be meaningful? Oh, it'll be great. Just roll over, give up. Bow down to something else and it'll be... It'll be fine. One of the things I watch and, and, and think about, one of the things I read about all the time is culture and, and young people and those things. And I think about that a lot, especially in a ministry like ours, Dr. Hall, red principal of our school. You, you walk around our campus day by day, it's filled with young people. And I think about where where are those young people going? And I look at the families in between maybe 27 and 35, and they've looked and tried to find meaning and, and order and guidance in their lives on all these things. And I think there's a, 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 a revival coming in America where the young people are saying, I've tried the stuff and the bread, and I've tried the relationships and all those things. And I'm not going to bow down and worship anything else but the Lord. And I'm going to follow what Jesus says in Luke 4, verse 5. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The Lord first. The Lord best. And then all these things are added in as well. I think about that. I think about that a lot. Serve him only. But there's one more piece where the devil says come on do it now do it now do it now this whole thing that we got to wait for is dumb just get it done now and if you will just if you will just if you are if you'll just throw yourself down from here and now the devil's a little wiser right he's got the scripture back and behind him he says he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone and jesus said do not put the lord your god to the test." You don't need the cross, Jesus. You you, you don't need that cross because that's too painful. You don't need that path. You don't need the way of sorrows. Go a different way. Go the easy way. Do it now. Throw yourself down here. I'll catch you. I got you. I've been honest and open with you the whole time. Jesus, I'm your buddy. Just don't get to the cross. Because the evil one knew that if Jesus got to the cross, then he was defeated. He might bruise Jesus' heel, but his head would be crushed. He knew what was going on. He knew that Jesus, in any movement away from that cross, was moving away from the path that his father had laid out for him, the path of our redemption. And I believe in this, and I can't prove it, but I think Jesus snapped at him. I think Jesus said, I'm done, I'm out of here. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And then he got immediately on that pathway back to the cross. He stuck to the mission, the mission of redemption, the mission that came to His Father, the mission that He made all the way through. So that when you and me stand before the Father Almighty, there's not a list of things that were undone. The Father's not gonna look at you and say, you know, Jesus almost got it right. But boy, he just, there was just three or four things he couldn't check off the list here. And you know what? You got to make those up. Oh, no, 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 no. Jesus performed exactly as he was supposed to and did obediently everything he was called to do so that when we stand before the Almighty and he says, how are you here? We look and we say, I'm here because of him. I'm here because he did everything I couldn't do Every temptation that I went up against, some I took and some I succumbed to. But Jesus, 40 days and 40 nights, he didn't man- manufacture himself some bread. 40 days and 40 nights, he didn't just decide to jettison, jettison himself and his values and his relationship with his father. 40 days and 40 nights, and he didn't say, I'll take a detour. Rather, he picked up that cross and went to Calvary's Hill, and he suffered and he died for you and me. So that when we stand before God, we stand before him blameless. Our sins are forgiven in Jesus' name. The Jesus who completed all things and did all things well. Who allows us then to live by grace rather than judgment. With the cross as a sign of life and release of guilt and shame rather than the sign of a cross as a curse of a horrible death. It's a sign that Jesus did everything necessary for us and for our salvation. Something to be said about knowing the path. One of the things that's interesting that I learned early on in ministry is that it takes one to know one. About a year ago, I had my surgery so It'll still be a year, April 9th. And there's just a way that a person who's been through that can talk to another person. And there's a way that a guy who's carried an extra 125 pounds can talk to a person who's carrying an extra 100 pounds. It just is the way it is. You know what goes on in the heart. You know what goes on in psychology. You know what it is to try to tie your shoes, and you can't just go straight down. You've got to go to the side. You know what it's like to go into a store and put on clothing and say, well, it looks like there's two pairs of pants that'll fit me in here. It strikes me that our Lord is that person who can walk with us through each and every temptation because He's been there. The road from here to there, our lives are filled with things that matter. But the one thing that matters the most is the love of God for us in Jesus Christ. And when we go through those times of temptation. We come back to stories like this, but the closeness of God to encourage us and love us is a powerful thing. And those things that matter anchor us and steal us so that Jesus, who's been there, walks with us through that. And that's your connection to God in those moments of temptation. And there's this marvelous, deep-seated peace in our heart that says, I don't need to have thus and such to be happy. I don't need to have thus and such to be fulfilled. I don't need to worship or change my values. I don't need to live a, 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 a life filled with shortcuts. Rather, there's this marvelous peace that comes from the cross of Christ to you and me, even when we're in the middle of temptation, to be able to say, the Lord is with me. And where he is i'm strong and resilient and in the moving through those temptations comes meaning and resiliency love that word the idea that if i made it through once i can make it through again and if i made it through again i can make it through again because i'm telling you temptations don't go away i was laughing the things that tempted me at 25 don't tempt me when i'm 55. And sometimes the things at 55 are harder to say no to than the, than the things at 25. A lady grabbed me in the courtyard uh, between services. She said, if you think that's bad, wait till you're 70. I said, oh, we'll see. I'll see if I get there, huh? But there's meaning that comes in overcoming temptation. For Jesus, that meaning was the redemption of the world and giving his life on the cross. For you and me, it may be a connection to God and the peace that comes in knowing Jesus and living not merely with the perspective of here and now, but living with an eternal perspective that our light and momentary temptations and sufferings that we go through today, that we get through today, it it, it leads us at the end to heaven. No shortcuts. No trails that we veer off of that somehow are magic. Day by day and bit by bit, walking with the Lord Jesus until he takes us home. And that's the road from here to there, a road that Jesus walked perfectly and completely so that when you stand before The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord puts his arm around us and says, you're with me, and I completed this pathway so that you could be with me. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, it's good to be together today. It's good to be in this place. I'd much rather have an extra hour's sleep, but Lord, we got a deal. I get through this morning and I get to sleep for an hour this afternoon. I thank you for that. Be with those who are going through just this gut-churning, life-changing sense of temptation. Whether it's a shortcut in a business deal or a person or a behavior or whatever, you know and that person knows. And Lord, that person knows exactly how hard that temptation is to step away from. So grant us the strength in Jesus to do that. He stepped away from it and was blessed by that and brought us every blessing that comes down from God Almighty. Where we've overcome, allow us to be resilient and strong, pointing to the cross in humility and grace, and finding a sense of you leading and guiding us every day of our lives. Thank you for this Sunday where we set the clocks forward. It's super hard. But I pray you'd be with us. Keep us close to you. Speak those words of grace and forgiveness to our spirit as we continue to worship you. In Jesus' name.